Blog Talk Radio. Good morning out there in Blog Talk Radio land. I think we might be having some technical issues this morning. I had trouble getting logged in, and then I was trying to uh, connect with our guest, and I don't know if she was hearing me. I don't want to have to hang up and start over, but but might have to do that if I can't get our guest to at least be able to hear me so we can connect. Um, anyway, so I want to welcome all of you here to Off the Shelf at Blog Talk Radio. You know, it's an online radio station, and even if you're off air, you gotta you got to rely on technology. And if, it, if you're having technical problems, and this was due to the Blog Talk Radio platform, then I just have to be patient. That's something I've learned and work with it because we can't control things. But I want to welcome you all again, and hopefully our guest is able to hear me. Uh, if not, I'll ask her to hang up and dial back in. But I want to welcome each of you to Off the Shelf. And I want to start by leaving this thought with you on this Saturday, May 26th, as we come down to the end of May and head toward Memorial Day weekend and want to thank those who've served in the service. And however you serve, I'm, I'm extending you a thank you here from Denise Turney, the host of Off the Shelf. And this is the thought that I want to leave with you today. It's I have learned over the years that when one's mind is made up, this diminishes fear. Knowing what must be done does away with fear, and that's Rosa Parks. Again, that's I have learned over the years that when one's mind is made up, this diminishes fear. Knowing what must be done does away with fear. Got to make a decision. You got to decide which way you're going to go, and then it, the the steps might be revealed to you what you should do, and that could also reduce the fear. So again, want to welcome you guys to off the shelf for this May 26, 2008 especially to our loyal listeners who've been with us for more than 13 years. We have an awesome author on deck for you, which I hope the technology issues have been ironed out, and she can hear me. If not, I'm going to have to email her and ask her to hang up and dial back in again. I actually had to try to get in this morning three to four times before I was able to even get in. Uh, To all our off-the-shelf listeners, I have a question for you, asking you how good of a mystery sleuth are you. Do you think you can find out who done it? Who committed, who's responsible for the murder mystery that cloaks Raymond and his friends' lives? Do you think you can figure it out before it's revealed by the author in Love Pour Over Me? Also, you, you when you read Love Pour Over Me, you may get answers to some real life questions that you've been that been something you've yourself been probing for due to experiences you've had in your own life. You could get that through Love Pour Over Me as well. And also, if you value relationships and not just a lifetime romance, that kind of relationship that opens you up to the brilliance and the insight of love and human connection that only only a few, maybe thousand people get to enjoy. And then also you get to explore the re- complicated relationship between a father and a son and a, a, a Raymond Clark, who is the star of Love Pro Me, he and Brenda. You get to see how Raymond's friends, how they impact him and Brenda's sister and her family, how they impacted not only them but their relationships. And it just popped into my head about the royal wedding, how different people's only their family relationships impact a larger 
event, a larger relationship, you'll get to explore that and love for me. You'll also get the mystery so you can see if you can figure out who done it before it's revealed in Love Pro for Me. You can get Love Pro for Me in ebook or print format. At I know at Amazon I've seen it for three dollars and three cents. You can get it at ebook it, Amazon.com, Barnes and Noble, Walmart. If you don't see it on the shelf, just ask the clerk for it. Just tell me you want to get a copy of Love Pro for Me by Denise Turney. And they can order a special copy for you because it's sold by the law it's carried by the largest book distributors in the world. I hope you will treat yourself to love pour over me on this Memorial Day weekend. And I'm going to introduce our, our special guest for today, and I hope she is uh, able to hear me. And I've got to uh, – here she is. I need, I need to make sure she dialed in again. So let's see if we can connect her because we were having technical difficulties this morning. We have several people on the line so let me try to see if I can connect her again uh, this morning. But first I want to introduce her. I want to thank her for her patience. Again, with Blog Talk Radio, we had de- technical difficulties, but it looks like we may be well on our way now. So our special off-the-shelf guest this morning is Zara. Don't you love that name? Zara <laughs> Broadnax. Now, Zara is a New Orleans native. She earned a Bachelor of Science in Accounting from Southern University and AMM College. A&M College. She earned her Master of Science in Management from Troy University. And as a contributing author, Zara has helped to create two best-selling books, Beyond the Woman and 100 Voices of Inspiration, Awakening and Empowerment. She is a licensed minister and the founder of Well Women Ministries. Zara is also the founder of Gathering House Publishing. For our off-the-shelf listeners, who have that gift, that talent uh, to write or or maybe even to edit. This this may be a show that you really tune into. And I want to tell you before I, I finish the introduction, there's still time for you guys to engage with this awesome guest on Off the Shelf. And I want to, you can go into the chat room. And I also want to give you the dial-in, and it's 347-994-3490. Again, that's 347-994-3490. If you are an author or you know somebody or you have a strong appreciation for books, just ask them to dial-in to 347-994-3490. Tune in to Off the Shelf so they can catch all of Zara. If you come in midway, you can, uh, when the show finishes streaming, you can listen to it as often as you like in the archives. But to finish the introduction, Zara is a licensed minister and the founder of Well Woman Ministries. She's also the founder, as I previously uh, stated, of Gathering House Publishing. We're going to go into that more in the show. She's a newly published GHP and newly published GHP uh, anthology. It's Beauty for Ashes. Beauty for Ashes. This is a nonfiction book, and we definitely want to talk about that because I know there are probably listeners who are dealing with these Beauty for Ashes life situations right now. Now, Beauty for Ashes is a book that is part of the Father's Daughters book series, and you can visit Zara online at gatheringhousepublishing.com, and it's spelled exactly as it sounds, uh, you guys, but I'll spell it. It's G-A-T-H-E-R. I N G H O U S E P U B 
L I S H I N G dot com. Gathering House Publishing dot com. Now here's the thing, if you go over to Gathering House Publishing dot com now, you can learn more about her, the the books that uh the Gathering House Publishing publishes, some of her other works, even while you enjoy this interview. And again that's Gathering House Publishing dot com. Welcome to Off the Shelf, Zara. Good morning. Thank you. How are you, Miss Denise? I am blessed, blessed, blessed on this Saturday, May the 26th morning. And I'm so glad we got to connect. I, I kept trying to dial in. I said, how come I can't get in? So finally I, I got in, and I'm glad that um, that you got in and sent me the email. So thank you so much. I appreciate that. And it's just a joy to have you here with us, Sarah. Before we go into the questions about you and the, your publishing company and other work you've done, I'm going to ask you one or four, about three or four questions that I ask every guest, uh, okay. and that's because our listeners wanted to get a little backstory on our guests before I launch right into the other questions. So before we go into uh, this morning's questions, Zara, can you please tell us what it was like for you growing up in New Orleans? Oh, growing up in New Orleans was half and half, half of being wonderful because you go to a city where a lot of people like to come to, experiment with a lot of fun things. Uh, we have, of course, everybody knows the Essence Fest. We have uh, um, Bayou Classic over in November. We have the Jazz Fest that just finished up at the beginning part of May. Of course, everybody knows about Mardi Gras. Um, so there was a lot of things to do growing up that you didn't have to pay a lot of money for, that you could have a lot of good food and a, good, a lot of great music to listen to. But then also we have that dark side of the city. Everybody knows that um, that city has voodoo. There's a lot of poverty inside the city. Um, I graduated from high school in 1992, which is fairly young. (laughs) And I know that um, I graduated from the number one black high school in the city. So we still had segregation a little bit in the city. We had some schools that were mixed, some that were all white, and some that were all black. So um, when Hurricane Katrina happened, you got to see a lot of the pain and suffering that was happening in the city that we as locals had faced all of our lives. Now it became a national uh, epidemic for people to see it. So it was it was great because you got to, to have a lot of culture and history, but then that pain that came from the black side, the dark side of, of, of the history that we had. You know, you don't think about that in New Orleans, like you said, the, the voodoo. You think about that when you think about some of the islands and where that's practiced, Haiti and other countries like that. But, yeah, to, to, to think New Orleans, that that's, uh, still down there And then again Hurricane Katrina I know people who went through that Who were still dealing with the fact That they, you just lose everything All yeah. your memories, your pictures Everything is gone And you just have to pick up from there And, and try to go on from there uh, But there's good, like you said You got your Essence Festival And you got your you, you got different events In New Orleans It's known for its music and its food So you know and it's the tourism, which I'm told is is coming back, so it's known for those things as as well. Um, what did you dream of becoming when you were a little girl growing up in New Orleans? I dreamed of becoming a lawyer, believe it or not. I wanted to be an attorney. I wanted to be a tax attorney, by the way. Um, so I majored in accounting because of that, and thought about going to law school. Applied when I was in the military. 
to go and go to law school but did not get accepted from the military to release me to go to law school. Um, but I always wanted to be a lawyer. I, was, I always believed that we had to help someone else, that everything you face is not just for yourself. You have to help someone else. And, and I know I wasn't, didn't want to be in hospitals or teachers didn't make enough. <laughs> so I figured a lawyer could, could do it and I could help other people. And, and even though that was my dream, God had better dreams for me. Mm, doesn't it often go that way? This has been a technically challenging morning for me so far. I, one thing I, I learned doing off the shelf, and I hope our listeners learn as they hear me say things that I'm dealing with, to just you got to go with the flow and be patient uh, no matter what is, is happening. My next question I wanted to ask you there was, how old were you when you knew, you just knew, you wanted to be a tax attorney, you're in the military, they won't release you to go and pursue that career field. How old were you when you knew that you wanted to be a writer or you wanted to be involved in a field that were, dealt with books? Wow, that that one is a interesting story. I've written all of my life, poems, stories. I always had concepts. Um, when I was in high school, I actually wrote a romance novel, uh, I came from a single-parent household. My mother did not have the money to afford a word processor, which that was the big thing back in the early 90s. And I did not have one, so I gave one to my friend and asked her to type up my manuscript, and she lost my manuscript. So I just moved Aww. on and just kept, yeah, I know, it was so sad. <laughs> so I went on and moved <laughs> on to just writing poems and coming up with concepts of stories. And it wasn't until I was literally in my 40s I'll be 44 this summer. So I was about 40, 41 when I said, you know what, I'm getting ready to retire from serving in the Army. Let me go ahead and do what I believe God has created me to do and what I'm supposed to be doing. And so I got involved with Beyond the Woman and fell in love with writing even more so than what I had been doing in the past. And so I would say even though it's been my trek throughout my life that I've written things, it wasn't until I was about 40, 41 that I knew this is what I wanted to do. Isn't that interesting? We've had so many guests on in the uh, 13 plus years off the shelf has been on the air, and some knew when they were little kids right away. Like you said, you've been writing for years and years. Some started, we've had some a teacher may have uh, marked up their paper and they went years and never wrote anything again and then came back to it. It's, it's, I hope it's encouraging when people listen to your stories, Era, that if you're meant to do something, you stay on your path, it, it, you get back on it. It's almost like you veer off only to get back on, back on the road, right. like when you get lost when, you, when, when you're driving. Who, who was it? So you, t- you sent, sent to your friend a romance, uh, manuscript to type, the friend loses it. Some people could read all kinds of things into that. Well, maybe I'm not meant to do this. Or, but you you stayed on that road. Who inspired you, especially when I think about you being in the military? I was in the Navy, and who? that's not the area where you're going to really be inspired to pursue writing. Who inspired or birthed that passion for books in you? Where did that come from? Well, my mother used to be a school teacher, and so her biggest thing when I was growing up was, you're going to read. And she would make me write book reports during the summertime when we were out of school. 
And so my love for reading, I would want to read the story. I would hurry up and write the report so I could read another story. Um, and they never knew. My mom never knew that I wrote a book in high school. I just kind of did it on my own to see what would happen. And as I continued to, to grow, I kind of kept it inside until I was about 40. And I have a girlfriend who is an actress. Her name is Margale, and she read a poem or she read something I wrote, and she told me, Z, I love the way you write. You should write more often. And so she pushed me to write a little bit more. And then I have another girlfriend named Daphne Henry who's in Beyond the Woman who said, Z, you always talk about writing books. You always talk about that. Well, I have a challenge for you. I'm in, involved in this anthology. I think you should join us. And so it was really those three women, my mother, uh, my my two friends, Daphne Henry and Mara Gale, who encouraged me to go ahead and write. And then after I opened up and started showing people my writing, my best friend got involved, Cynthia Batson, and some other people. And was like, oh, you really have a talent for this. And so it was just mainly those three at first who said, come on, you can do this. Get out of your comfort zone, get out of the box, and let's do this. This is a question I wasn't going to ask you before we talk about Beyond the Woman, which is which is next. Uh, has anybody ever told you, I'm sitting here looking at your, your picture, um, has anybody ever told you that you look like C.C. Winans? <laughs> no, no one's ever told me I look like C.C. Winans. That is a highly <laughs> okay. compliment. Okay, so I'm Thank looking you. at you and I'm like, she looks like she looks like C.C. Winans. When I'm looking at you, to me, you do. So anyway, that was just an off-the-out-the-box question. Okay, so Zara, you've worked with 15 other women on the book Beyond, Beyond the Woman. What was that author selection process? Like, how did you go through and select who were the women who were going to be included in an anthology? Well, in Beyond the Woman, I actually um, wrote with Marilyn Rodriguez, and that was her her vision, her birth child that she wanted. And she had a she asked other people that she she started off asking people she knew, and then from there she fanned out and asked their friends, which is how I got involved. Um, And that was a wonderful. process for me because, again, I was in the process of retiring. I I was still shaking on what I wanted to do when I got out from the military. And having someone to coach me and to be there to listen to me, help me, guide me through, um, making sure my story was okay was was a big issue and a big deal for me. Um, And that that was really the process for for that one. And her publisher, helped up with the second one. It was actually her anthology. And from those two, I decided, you know, I could do this too. <laughs> I think that was that military mindset. Okay. You know what? You could do that too. <laughs> so so the, the, you, you that was just the process. You weren't uh, behind the scenes on selecting the authors and Beyond the Woman. Can you tell us a little bit more about uh, Beyond the Woman, some of the stories that are included in that anthology? Yes, Beyond the Woman is more of a spiritual anthology. Um, it's it's a, quite a few of us who write, all all of us write personal stories. Um, I looked at friendship. Um, my story was called The Hitchhiker, and it's when you take that saying, uh, people come into your life for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. And I, I kind of expand on how I see people 
in that. And I give them names like hitchhiker, ride or die, or a companion traveler. And I kind of express what those people, how they treat you in their life and the, the characteristics that they have. And you know who you want and who you don't want. And, and so you can handle how those things are because if not, you'll get hurt. There's another one that talks about wholeness. There's another one that talks about relationships when it comes to branching out of what you have, uh, what you need. Um, there's there's a lot that deals with not Christian-wise but spiritual that lets you realize that there is someone bigger than you and that you're destined to do great and wonderful things and to go out and try to reach those things. Even in this world where it's, it seems so murky a lot of the times, it, that is that message, uh, thank you for being a part of that message, is so important today. I mean, because if you just look out your window, you're like, I'm not even going outside. That message is so, so important today. You were working with uh, other authors on Beyond the Woman. You know, when both people think about writing, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, it's just one writer just putting your head down and getting that work done. What What is it, was it like contributing to a book that other authors are working on? Did At any point were you all having to work together, or did the editor come back out to you and say, Zara, can you change your story a little so we stay with the theme of the entire anthology? What was that, what was that process of working with more than a dozen other authors like? Well, for Beyond the Woman, um, the most they did was they, they did tell me, um, you're not expressing en- enough. Um, come out of that shell and really let's, let's vocalize the definition of friendship and the characteristics that they have. Um, so they, they, they critiqued it. It wasn't so hard. It wasn't so bad. It wasn't a big red paper like I would have gotten in English class a few years back. <laughs> but it was... Um, let's let's look at this. Um, imagine, and what they told me was, imagine you speaking to a young you, and what is it that you want that young you to know now that you're older about friendships and the people that come in and out of your life. And when they said that, I, I got it instantly because I'm a big person who focuses on legacy, and I wanted not my legacy to be that people should be able to run over you or take advantage of you or that you don't understand who people really are. I wanted them, I wanted the younger me as well as everyone else out there to realize people are who they are, and you can't change them, but you can just love them, and you have to be mindful what their purpose of is in your life. And if you figure that out early on, you won't set an expectation that they can't succeed and you'll get hurt by it. And so um, that's what I wanted that young me to know. Um, don't don't overstress yourself, but get to know the person and realize, okay, this one, this one really can't offer. They're more of a taker, and I can only give so much. This one here will only bring equal stuff to the table. And that's all they're going to do. But then they have this one who is going to go beyond just like you are, and that's the one that you know is your friend. Wow, very interesting to know the role someone plays. You know what, I I wasn't going to ask you this, but since that's just interesting to me, how did you come up with that even, that concept, to know this, don't set higher expectations, Really, you know, try to figure out what is, why are they even in my life right now? 
and 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 don't don't ask somebody to do more than they are maybe even assigned to do in your life. How did you come up with that concept? Well, that's a really good question. No one's ever asked me that question, <laughs> and that's um, life experience. I am really a giver. And I do a lot for people. I don't mind doing anything for anybody, but I do more for the people I love and for my friends. And at times people take that and they use it for their advantage. And uh, it becomes a disadvantage for me and I get wounded and hurt. And then I remember at one point looking at that going, why me? I got this email and it talked about people coming to your life for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. And I I looked at that and said I could see that because there were people who I was trying to keep into my life that did not need to be there. And I had placed this expectation that we're going to be friends forever. And their season had really ended in my life. Their reason for being there was gone. And I had gotten so close and so drawn to them that I did not realize that it was time to let them go. It doesn't mean they can't travel back. It just wasn't they couldn't go with me to my next destination. And so as I did that, I started reading more into the Bible and, and getting more into my spirituality and saying, okay, God, what do you have for me? And I realized that Jesus had 12 friends. It's not that he didn't have an abundance of people around him. He literally had 12 friends. It was his disciples. And he had three that was in his inner circle. And I thought about that and said, you know what? He didn't take the 70 that he sent out two by two into other worlds and say, you're my friends. He just sent them out and said, you're my associates. And all the people that will come and hear him speak were acquaintances. He didn't treat them as if they were his friends. You need to figure that, that process out, too. Everybody you meet won't be your friend. And everybody you communicate with is just maybe an associate and maybe no more. And so I had to figure that out the hard way by trying to figure out who these people are in my life. And I tried to use the example of the 12 disciples with the characteristics of who they were, and said, okay, you know, everybody has a Judas. Who's my Judas? Everybody has a John. Who's my John? Everybody has a Peter. Who is that in my life? And as I did that, it made me hone in into the people and into the person of who they really are and what is it that they really want. And by doing that, I I no longer put expectations. I watched your works and and saw if they matched up with your works. And if they didn't match up, then I know, okay, you know what, maybe you're not, you know, this kind of person. Maybe I need to treat you this way. And I didn't just blatantly do it. I still kept real to myself and true to who I was. But I didn't put more into you if you didn't deserve it. Uh, can can you tell us about the the Hitchhiker, your story in, uh, in the anthology uh, can you tell us a, more, a little bit more about The Hitchhiker, the title of your story in the book, Beyond the Woman? Yeah, I um, the Beyond the Woman came out in May of 2016, and I wrote this book. I wrote the story called The Hitchhiker um, so I could, again, talk about the different characteristics of who people are. The hitchhiker is more so that one who uses you. It's more of an, an acquaintance. You know, the one who every time they need something, they run to you. They don't, you don't ever hear from them. They can never do anything in support of you, but they always have their hand out. And uh, we face a lot of those in our life. Uh, we face more of them than anything else. Uh, the second person was the, the, the companion, the travel companion. They bring equal stuff to the table. But if they have a little extra, they won't share. 
And those are more associates. You know, we go to work or we go to church or we're in an organization and we're all supposed to be equal level. They treat you equal, but sometimes they want to hoard the extra because they think that's power. And if they have the power, they can do more controlling. They can do more of the business working than what you have. And so those people really aren't that prominent for you in your life to be successful. They're needed, but they're not going to make you whole. But that ride or die is the one that if you say, okay, we're about to go over this hill, and they say, okay, let's go, (laughs) they're right there with you. Or if you have a sandwich and you need to split it in half and they have a drink, they say, you know what, we're going to sip on this together because you don't have any. They're the ones who are going to go extra for you. Those are the ones that you can call in the midnight hour and say, I need need this of you, and you know they're going to be there. But vice versa, you're going to do the same for them. Those are very rare. We, We may be lucky if we get one. In our lives Um, I think I have maybe two Maybe even possibly three And I'm just really fortunate that I figured out Who they were But we have more hitchhikers More who want to pull on you Who want to drain you of your your resources It doesn't actually have to be financial It could be emotional It could be spiritual It could be physical There's so many things that they can pull from you Where the associate will not pull, but they won't really give more than what they should. They just, this is the level, this is what we agreed on, that's all I'm giving. And so that's really what that one, that story was about. Oh, my gosh. I'm read this story. You, yeah, I, I'm listening to you, and I'm like, she belongs on OWN or one of these shows. I'm, it, it sounds so simple to you probably when you, you're saying what you're saying. But there are people who spend decades, some a lifetime, trying to learn what you just said. And, I mean, suffer, suffer incredibly, suffer incredibly with being used, abused, whether to, to show somebody, you know, this person, whether it's domestic violence or a friend you thought was your friend, and you find out, oh, my God, what they were doing behind your back or saying, and you are crushed. And some people, it takes them years to dig out from that kind of pain. Uh, it sounds simple, I know the way you're saying it, but there's so many people I think who could benefit from just what you shared, the way you you put that out there, so they'll know I, I can't invest anymore in this person. I, they they almost like a vampire. I cannot give them any more. That was I'm I'm thank you for sharing that. I hope oh, yes, maybe yes. you'll find a platform where you can um, just broaden that message. Could could help a whole. A lot of people, not just teenagers, but a lot of adults as well. Zara, what what role did you play in helping to create 100 Voices of Inspiration, Awakening, and Empowerment? What was your role in helping to put that work together? To be honest with you, Denise, it was about the same amount that I did uh, with Beyond the Woman, except for this time it was the publisher who decided to do that book and so she asked me when I was doing Beyond the Woman, can you write in this one? And, you know, again, I I literally had just retired. I had retired in July of 16, and this book came out in November. And I was still trying to figure out what am I going to do. I know I didn't want to work for the military. I know I didn't want to work for the government. I knew it was it had to be something that God created me to do. And so I said, sure, why not? And uh, came up with a, with a different story this time, uh, but it dealt with friendship. It dealt with being vulnerable. Uh, vulnerability um, 
being open to people and realizing that once you have been hurt by that hitchhiker, and I didn't say hitchhiker, but if you read the first story in the first book, then you kind of figured it was a setback, you know, from that one. Once you've been hurt, how do you push forth and not treat the next person who comes along because you've been wounded? Mm. You know, a lot of times when we get hurt in relationships, and and we see it more so in male-female relationships, but it's the same with it's a friend or a family member. It has no boundary on sex or type of relationship. It's still a feeling that when we've been burned, when we've been bruised and battered and beaten and misused and mistreated, we all, you know, we're hurt, so we want to take it out on the next person. I love to say hurt people hurt people because you do. You're vulnerable, and, you know, we we don't want to be hurt, so we want to build walls around ourselves. Well, you can build a wall, but walls keep people out, but they keep you in. And so I wanted to to focus mm. on knowing your strengths and being vulnerable um, because vulnerability is a strength. And people don't see that. They see it as a weakness. But it's really a strength. So I just wrote the story. Now, one thing I did contribute to this one, though, that a lot of people may not know, is right before we went to um, press, some people fell out of the book, and a publisher was looking for some people, and she asked me to help my two daughters do something for the book. So both of my daughters, at the time they were five and eight, um, wrote a poem and uh, they got into the book, and they became international best-selling authors. And so I'm really proud of them. That's the one accomplishment. I don't even worry about my story in that book. I'm so proud of them <laughs> and what they did in that one. Wow. Kudos, kudos to them. Can you give us a glimpse, before we talk about your publishing house, can you give us a glimpse into you're working on a children's book, into the children's book that you're writing on? Yes. Um when I was living in Oklahoma and my oldest daughter was going to kindergarten, I was like, these kids, some of them have no clue what's going on. And I had written a book. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm being honest, and, it's, and I want to say it. I'm just going to say it because we have kids raising kids. They, they, they don't really yeah. know about what is needed to provide for their children before they go into school. See, I understand that by the time they get to school, if I haven't poured everything into my children that I want them to know and believe that I believe, by the time they get to school, it's over. Your your influence mm. is over. And so I looked at a lot of those kids and say they don't really understand school. They don't understand the benefit that it has because we as a culture have kind of lost it. We've kind of kicked it to the curb and said, oh, no, we don't really need it. School is highly important. It develops you, not just educationally, but socially, mentally. It, it develops you. And I'm looking at these kindergartners going, they really don't get it. So when my oldest was turning about two, I decided to do, throw this birthday theme about being her an author. And I wrote this children's book, and I put her name on it, and I gave it out as an invitation. And it just kind of explained what school was about. And so I said, I think they need my book. And so I went back to go get the off the computer, <laughs> took her picture and her name off, put my stuff on it, and said, okay, now I need to find a really good illustrator because all I did was put it on PowerPoint and just because it was an invitation. It was supposed to be a joke. But in that, a lot of people told me that their, their, their kids wanted to have this read to them every night before they went to bed. And Aww. I said, Maybe I got something here. <laughs> so 
I, I, I decided to start. I did. I, you know, I decided to start expanding that and developing it. And so, uh, I have a girlfriend here. Her name is Willette Battle, and she owns um, Willette's Prism. She's a multi-mixed media uh, artist, and she's working on my illustrations. And we just had a powwow conversation about maybe two weeks ago, and I said, you know what? It's a book about school. I want it out for next summer. And I want the illustrations to be really, really nice because I want people to be prepared for to give to their pre-K or kindergarten so they won't be so scared. They'll really know what school's about now. They may have some concepts in there that comes from old school because I'm a little older, but I do believe that, you know, you say the Pledge of Allegiance when you come into the school. I do believe that you should have a nice lunch. I do believe you should have recess for little kids and maybe nap time because they need it, and so do you as an adult. <laughs> so um, just to give them a basis <laughs> and concept of what it is, show them PE because they need to work out. Let them go outside and have fun. Show, explore art with them. Get them some music. You know, create their minds and not just, you know, getting a grade, but create human beings that are going to be productive. And you start, you're very young, you start in kindergarten. So that's kind of the concept of that one, to just get them informed about what school's about. Oh, it sounds like a great book. And uh, when do you think it will be out? When do you think it will be on the market? I'm hoping that it will be out next May or June, that way people can start getting it over the summer, and then their children can be prepared for when school starts in August, September. So I'm shooting for a May, June, that so an early awesome. summer release. Thank you. Okay, okay. Do you think, uh, Zara, that you'll write an adult novel one day? Is that in the works? I I have some concepts in my mind <laughs> um, that I want to do um, – I, I think it's going to be a series. I'm looking at something called, like, Soul Sisters, and you get to follow these friends. And it's it's really based off of some of it is some of the experiences I've had with some of my friends. And then some of it is just my mind going wild because the, the characters are speaking to me in ways that I didn't know that they could talk. Um, but I do. I want to write almost, almost every genre. I want to write uh, romance novels. I want to write... Uh, Novels for for adults. I want to write children's books. I want to write a wonderful cookbook. Um, but right now, it seems like nonfiction is where people are guiding me and where the the, the Lord is sending me. But I do. I want to write. A, it's almost like I don't know if you've heard of her Enjoy and her um, New Day Diva series, but I could see Soul Sisters being like that. You follow these women and how their paths connect to each other, and then you get their backstories throughout, and as well as what's going on, and then you can guess about where they're gonna, the future is gonna bring them. Okay. Now, what you've got so much going on, Zara. Uh, you also are working on something uh, like a spiritual book. And I wanted to ask you what key tips or strategies uh, in that book will you share with readers? In your book, there's more about the spiritual birthing concepts and ideas. Oh, yes. Um, When I was in Oklahoma, it just hit me. Um, And I don't know why, because I had already had my two children, and I had already said that I was not having any more children, to and through, and I'm sticking to that. But I felt like <laughs> I felt like I was pregnant with something, and I couldn't figure out what it was. Like, why do I feel like I'm pregnant, and and why do I feel like I'm going through these motions of being pregnant? And it wasn't a physical pregnancy; it was spiritual, and I could really feel this this conception 
of something in me forming, and I felt like like I really was naturally pregnant. And I realized that when God gives wow. you something or when you have something inside of you, it is the conception, and you are pregnant with it. That's why we always talk about, oh, you need to birth that. Well, before you can birth anything, you have to conceive it, and then you have to carry it so it can grow. You know, we don't get pregnant today and have the baby tomorrow. It takes nine months for that child to develop and grow inside of you. And the same thing with businesses or stories or any, you know, going anything you have in your life, it takes time after you've conceived for you to carry and nurture and develop that that idea, that concept, that business, that story, and then you can birth it. But at the same time, we as humans, we do things to terminate the pregnancy, not only in the in the natural, but we do it in the spiritual. We have abortions, we we mis miscarry, you know. We also try to figure out ways to develop a child that isn't ours. We do um, we do surrogates or we adopt, and we probably wasn't told. So I decided to look at the concepts of what you're supposed to be doing in life that you're supposed to be pregnant with, that you may not really be pregnant with, and birth it. And really the story came from Abraham and Sarah, from the Bible. Sarah was barren, we all know that, and but she was promised to have a child. And she, being in her old age, decided that God was funny, and he, she wasn't going to be able to do that. So she gave her hand servant to Abraham. She gave Hagar to him and said, birth the baby. She she decided to have her own surrogate when she was told that she was going to be the one to conceive and to carry. She decided to, you know, speed up the process. And in doing that, she could have messed some stuff up if God wasn't so graceful and so merciful. But she did that, and then even in that, she turned wicked towards her answer because she got upset. She saw jealousy come out. And those are the things that when we're not doing what we're supposed to, all of those seeds come from what you what you were wrong in doing, jealousy, hatred, you know, no love, you know, love, loss. All of that comes from those seeds that you planted. And so I looked at it and said, you know what, I could probably speak this in a way people will understand. We all understand being pregnant. We may not understand spiritual aspects. So I wanted to go take a spiritual thing and move it to a natural one. Okay, okay. How can somebody, Zara, you, you know, we're talking about things that people, if, if some some of us, I think, have so little hope for ourselves that it's just, if I can just get through this thing called life and be done with it, and you can literally see that in people's lives. Years ago, I remember Jesse Jackson used to say, keep hope alive, because right. he saw some people don't have like they don't have it, they just want to get through and be done with it. But some people have enough hope to say, "Let me see if I can figure out what my purpose is, why I'm here." How can somebody identify with their purpose or their destiny? We talk talking about being pregnant. How can you know this is what I'm supposed to be doing right now? Well, before you even get to the fruit of knowing what you're supposed to be doing, I think you have to consult the maker. And I say that because my children love Legos. And what I have to consult is the instruction book in order to help them put the Legos together. I could see the pretty package outside, but my mind doesn't tell me how to create that exactly that way 
unless I read the package, unless I read the booklet that comes in. And so I think for, for others, you will know what you know to be who you're supposed to be when you really consult who made you. And that could, you know, most people think that'd be mom and dad, and and I don't know where people stand, you know, on their on their spiritual beliefs, but I believe that is to be God. And so, you have to consult who you believe made you, and then you have to go inward and look at who you are, um, and and what your experiences are, and the kind type of people you surround yourself with. Um, I have a whole lot of artists. You know, and I use artists very loosely, whether it be entertainment for acting or singing or instrument playing or actual artists or or writers. I hang out in an, in a, an environment where there's a lot of writers and a lot of artists, and so that inspires me to push me more because I know that's who I'm supposed to be now. But when I was in the military, I did not do that. I hung out with a lot of soldiers. I hung out with a lot of people who were um, type A personalities. I think you watch the people you are. My grandmother used to say, show me your friends and I'll show you you. And it is no true to me today mm. than it was back then. The type of people you are drawn to, and there's a reason you're drawn to them. The type of people you're drawn to is some of the interests that you have. I have no desire in being a stunt double because I'm scared of heights. I am not going to go follow somebody like Evil Knievel. I'm not going to do that. But somebody who is a writer who can tell stories or has creativity and they can cre- express themselves creatively, I'm I'm drawn to them. And and that's because that's a bit of who I am. So if you don't have a belief in something spiritual, I would say look at your friends. Look at the people you surround yourself by, the kind of, people say energy, the kind of energy you toss out. Those are the people who you are drawn to and those are the people who are drawn to you. So, you know, if you're into somebody who likes to be gothic, then you're probably gothic. If you're into somebody who loves love, then you're probably a romantic. You know, if you're into somebody who likes to help people with being a nurse or a doctor, you should be in the medical profession. If you like the law, you should be in politics or be a lawyer. I think if you look at the people and the things that excite you when it's just every day, those are the things you should be drawn to. Those are the things you, you you find that can help you, and you live in that. And every day you find people who will encourage you to stay in that. And Because if they're your friends, they're going to encourage you. And that's how you build your hope up to figure out what I'm supposed to be doing. And then when you know that, the seeds from your actions will start to reap a harvest. You'll start to see it flow. Mm. Okay, okay. Now we have a little less than 15 minutes left in the day's show. <laughs> I wanted to ask you about Beauty for Ashes, the Father's Daughter book. This is the first book in this series. We're talking about concepts. Where did the idea for the Beauty for Ashes book series come from, and how did you select the authors for this first book? Okay, well, but I I, I thought about it and said, um, if I could do, if I could be in those two anthologies before, and they were spiritual, I know I can do something Christian. And so God, who are we? And He told me, "You're my daughter." And I said, "You're so right. We're the father's daughters." And so that's how the series came about. And I said, "Well, what can we talk about?" And the first thing I looked at was so many women are so beaten down, so abused, so battered, so beaten, and we don't have the the internal and fortitude to lift ourselves up. 
most times because we're so concerned about taking care of everybody else that we continue to go down. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, those are some pains. That's some wounds right there, some tragedies we've gone through. And if we keep those in, we're just doing, we're just killing ourselves. We need to express it out because there's nothing we go through that's not benefiting someone else. We have a testimony that can help somebody else in their test. And so I wanted to be able to help people get out of their pain, get out of their wound, get out of their tragedies, and start to embrace life and be grateful and have a praise and a worship about the things they that they can face and say, I made it through that. I went through the fire. I went through the storm. And I'm st- I'm better for it. You're not going to be worse. You're going to be better for it. But how do I know that? Because somebody else did. So I kind of talked to a few friends. Um, I talked to one in particular who served with me in Korea. She's also a licensed minister. Her name is Gwen Polk. She's in the book. Um, I, spoke, I asked her, and she joined in. I'm part of a writer's club in North Alabama where I live, and Betty Boy was one of the, the members of the writer's group, and she was like, I want to do this. I want to work with you. I have uh, two church members, Stacy Nesserode and Natasha Jesse Jones, who uh, know me personally. Um, I work with them in the church. I've worked with them in schools that our children went to, and they were like, Z, I, I want to be a part of this. God is telling me to be a part of this. I have a story I think is going to help. Mm. And then I'm, I have a friend who lives in Oklahoma. Uh, his wife, she's also my friend, who said, I have somebody that I think you will be interested in to tell her story. And her name was Sherry Jones. And Sherry told another friend who told a friend, which was Pat Joseph. And so I talked to these ladies. I heard their stories, and I could feel that, you know what, this this is what I'm looking for. And so that's how I got them to join. And then, oh, one more. I had a girlfriend who's here that we went to church together, and she had a friend who she just felt needed to be in this book, and her name was Lisa Sanders. And Lisa has by far been such a blessing with this book that all of them are ready for the next version. They're all like, when can we do the next one? But I listened to all their stories. So we talked about um, one of them who lost her son, by, you know, who was murdered, another one who kept having miscarriages. Mm-hmm. and. We talked, you know, people don't think if you go to jail, that's the best thing. But there's one girl who went to jail, and she actually saved somebody's life because God had just told this. She had just told this one person, if I'm not supposed to be here, then, God, you need to let me know that. And as soon as she said that, this particular person from the story walked in, and she happened to save the person's life. We have people who are dealing with depression, dealing with abortion, you know, taboo topics in the church that we don't want to talk about. We're talking about it in this book. (laughs) Okay, you know, and you know what? So, to be in the story, let me ask you this: You said you, I mean, some of the just the stories um, of some of the women that you talk about, one who lost a son due to murder. That's I can only imagine. And then, and then the other things uh, that some of the other women that went through. Did they have to go through something really trying? Because you said the strength of the, of a testimony. Somebody went through something hard, and you like. If it if it if it happens to you, and I've had things happen to me that I didn't think ever would, but then I had other people I looked to who went through something similar. Then you become a testimony for somebody else, <laughs> but you find out that you can make it through. But you're thinking, I remember so and so went through, and they they got through it. I mean, not that it's going to be easy, but they got through it, and that gives you strength. Was that a criteria for the women to be in the group when you went out? 
did you say, you know, you have to have gone through some big a life struggle to be included in a book? If you have just if you haven't been there yet, then thank you, but no thank you. Was that part of the criteria? It, it wasn't. Um, it didn't. It didn't have to be big. Because what's you know, I tell people, well, my trash might be your treasure. So it didn't have to be big, but I wanted them to have a real life story where God did something in their life to help them get through something, something that they considered a pain. And you know, some people will say. Oh, uh, you know, it's not a pain to to look at the flowers. Uh, what I love about Pat Joseph's story is she doesn't have the regular pain that we all have. Her pain was just when she looked at life, she couldn't find the beauty until God showed her what was beautiful, and then that became her praise. So she walks you through how when you look at the flower, you should praise him. When you look at the food on your table, you should be happy about that. And those, that's something small because a lot of us don't think about mm-hmm. it. I, I tell my kids all the time, you, I, I, and I say it this way, and people might go, you shouldn't do it, but I do. I tell them they're privileged black folk because, again, I was raised in New Orleans where there was some, somewhat segregation even in 1992 where my kids don't have that. They they learn with all races. As a matter of fact, they're learning Mandarin in kindergarten, first and third. You know, they're learning Mandarin in their school. And I'm just like, it's bananas to me. But they have a certain idea of life that I didn't have growing up because of the benefits and the experiences that I've had. And so I tell them all the time, your your pain is not my pain. You're mad because I took your iPad away for a month. I didn't have a word processor. <laughs> that's two different pains. Right. You know, that, that, that's a, that's a right. difference. And so um, it wasn't it had to be some major pain. It just had to be a pain. It had to be something mm. that um, they went through and that they could tell the people about, that they could, exp- they, could, they could show how this is how I suffered, but yet this is how God brought me through. Now, this is the, the scripture for Beauty for Ashes. It's Isaiah 61.3, and I'm looking at, at the book Beauty for Ashes, the father's daughters, actually on, on Amazon. And the scripture is to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. And again, that's from Isaiah 61, 3. If you had to, in your words, and just we hearing what the scripture says, if you had to describe it to somebody maybe based on the stories in in the book, Beauty for Ashes, what would you tell them if they've never read the scripture and without quoting it to them, how would you describe Beauty for Ashes? Oh, I would say, you know how life gives you lemons and everybody tells you make lemonade? Well, you don't have to make lemonade. Mm-hmm. You can make lemon cookies. You can make lemon meringue. And you know how I know? It's because I've read these book, these stories by these women who took life and they turned it into something beyond lemonade, the standard. They went a little above and beyond. And so when you hurt, there's always a way to patch up the wound. You have a scar, it's because you've been through something. But every woman has a scar, and some of our scars look the same. So you don't like lemonade. You like lemon meringue pie. Well, there's a story here that looks just like lemon meringue pie. And I think if you see it, you'll be able to turn it around and turn your lemons 
not into lemonade, but into lemon meringue pie or an icebox pie or whatever it is you're looking for. (laughs) Okay. Well, thank you for sharing that, Zara. This just popped into my mind as well. We know we... You you stay on this life path long enough, you're gonna go through something. You're gonna climb a mountain. It's bound. It's bound to happen. I I don't know if it's a necessity of being in this world. I just don't know no one who hasn't. But this just popped into my mind. It is good to know that you can have beauty for ashes. That is such a blessing. But don't don't live your life so that you you read. Okay, so and so made it through this. Whether again, it's domestic violence somebody coming out of prison or whatever, don't set yourself up for hardships. That Set yourself up to live the best life possible. Seek after joy. Seek after love. Go follow the light. Don't don't live a life that's hard just so you can tell, you, tell somebody you got through something hard. Go for the best life you can go for, and then just know there is beauty for ashes. But go strive. Make good decisions. Make wise decisions. Consult God and make Smart decisions. Don't set yourself up for heartache and pain just to say you got through it. Do the opposite, and then just know that there's beauty for ashes. That's what I would encourage somebody because sometimes we see people suffer so much, we we almost think that's what's supposed to happen. Go the opposite way. Uh, when and why, Zara, did you found Well Women Ministries? I founded Well Women Ministries back in about two thousand and three or four, Um, and it was because, again, my heart is for women. I believe that I'm supposed to help uh, women who are beaten, battered, bruised, and destroyed get get healed, get loved back on, and get back into the grace of God. And so I did that as a testament to say, you're not alone, that you have a sister who's here, and we're going to help you. And so um, it's kind of the same reason why I started the Father's Daughters is because we are too sick in our own right to realize we need help. We don't want to go to the doctor, so I figured the doctor needed to come to you. And so I try to bring the doctor to, to them, which is why I started Well Woman. It's based off the woman at the well, John 4. Um, she was a, a powerful woman, but she was sick, but she was made well at the well. Mm. Mm. You, you've got so much going on. I tell you, <laughs> I'm listening to, to the interview myself. As it's unfolding, I'm like, oh, my gosh, what is she not doing? Now, we only have, we have less than three minutes left, but I have to ask you, uh, are there specific types of books that Gathering House Publishing puts out on the market, and how can authors connect with you to work with you through Gathering House Publishing? Gathering House Publishing is a hybrid publishing company So basically I'm that middleman person That helps you to publish your book So I don't really have a genre That I help people publish with But right now Gathering House In its own right Is doing a lot of Christian Or wholesome books I have an anthology of poetry That will be coming out hopefully in January We have another one of the father's daughter I'm trying to get now The compliment for the men The king's men strong and mighty Hopefully that can come out in November If I get some people to sign up So Gathering House will do things That will encourage people But as a as a company That's the kind of books it will put out But when others come We will help facilitate the publishing process for them And I have no genre restrictions on that at this time. And you can reach me at gatheringhousepublishing.com. 
There we go. Where can off-the-shelf listeners get a copy of the books that you've been involved with, your anthologies? Where can they pick those books up from? Well, the other two books you could just um, highlight me at gatheringhousepublishing.com. Tell me you want that book. Go to my uh, email address. Send me an email. Um, They also are available on Amazon as well. All of the books are on Amazon. And um, I might add those two books to my, my my website so people can get them easily. I maybe do that this week or so. And if you're on any social networks and people want to keep up with what you're doing, any upcoming speaking engagements or appearances that you have, where could people find you online on the social media networks? My social media is Zara Broadnax on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, it's Z-A-R-A-R-B-R-O-A-D-E-N-A-X. At either uh, any of those three, as well as you have my my website where I have right now my book tours, and I'll be speaking. I put speaking engagements as they come come up about in the near future. Oh, we have been delighted! Oh my goodness, the the different things that Zara shared, her hitchhiker story, and the different roles people play in our lives, and the beauty for ashes, and you don't have to just take lemons and turn them in the, in the lemonade. You can turn it into different things, lemon meringue pie or so many different things you can do with challenging experiences. But remember to always go after Father Light, seek after joy and good experiences. You don't want to seek after tragedy. You want to go after the best, the best, the best. That's that's what your goal should be. But this beauty for ashes should something unfortunate occur in your life. So we, we have just been blessed to have... Uh, Zara Broadnex here with us. She is a New Orleans native, native and a, a, a Miller's Memorial Day weekend. She's military. You know, we know Veterans Day is in, I think it's October or November, but she served in, in, the, in the military, so we thank her for her service. And, and books and anthologies she's a tributing author or affiliated with are Beyond the Woman and 100 Voices of Inspiration, Awakening, and Empowerment, and Beauty for Ashes, the Father's Daughters book series. She's also affiliated with Gathering House Publishing for our off-the-shelf listeners who are interested in reaching out to her through Gathering House Publishing. She said there's no genre limitations, and I'll give you that URL before we close. Zara is also a licensed minister and the founder of Well Woman Ministries. I wonder if hearing all this, does she think, my God, i <laughs> Sometimes you don't think about it when you see it broken apart, but when you put it all together, you're like, oh, my God, I really do have a full place. So we want to thank her for taking time out of her busy schedule to share and be with us and bless us and bless our listeners here on Off the Shelf. And Zara is online at gatheringhousepublishing.com. It's spelled just the way it sounds, G-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-G-H-O-U-S-E-P-U-B. L-I-S-H-I-N-G, GatheringHousePublishing.com. Remember her name, Zara Brodenak. She could have her own show on television with the way she was breaking down those roles people play in your life. I could just see how that could benefit so many teenagers and people in their early 20s. So we want to thank her again for being here. Please go out and support her and her works and her books and 
Gathering House Publishing. And as I always tell you, our off-the-shelf listeners, you are incredible. You are amazing. You are awesome. I hope one day you will really get that down, grasp it, and believe it because it is true. Go out and create a phenomenal day for yourself. Happy Memorial Day for those who celebrate the holiday. We know we have listeners who tune in from all over the world. So I wish you a a marvelous weekend. Please go support Ms. Zara again. Zara, I'll shoot you an email when the show finishes, finishes streaming. Have a have a blessed day you guys. Bye for now.